1: And the Oscar goes to And the Oscar goes and the to the Oscar goes to. Chat.
3: My only object in being here
1: is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give
4: a damn. could have
1: been a contender. Fasten in your seat. I could have been somebody. They can
5: only kill me with a golden bullet. What, what have I done? done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an awful kid. All real, man. Love is... It is wow. Too weak a word.
6: I love back. Work. I loathe you. Love. you I love. No, I loathe you. I love you. I, 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 you love. I did as six- instructed.
3: If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it! invalidator! Remember that's what you told me! It's time, Robbie!
2: Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast.
1: And the Oscar goes to The Shape of Water. Hello, everyone, and
2: welcome to episode 107 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me this morning, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Ryan C. Showers. Hi, everybody. Katie Schaefer. Hello. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Tom O'Brien. Hey, kids. (laughs) Kids. (laughs) Man, what a jam-packed week we've had so far with the Fall Film Festivals all happening pretty much all at once. I mean, there's overlap there with uh, Telluride going right into TIFF. Venice was wrapping up. And we even got the Venice Awards all handed out for this week. Uh, a lot has been going on for sure. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about where everything stands right now since we've got a couple of reactions out of TIFF for some movies. Still some to come later today. We are going to hear word on Midnight's High Life, if Beale Street could talk. But otherwise, last night reactions for widows dropped we got some word on 22 or 22nd not really sure what it's called yet july july 22nd it is called july 22nd you sure
5: when you're in europe you're not going to call it 22 july when someone asks you what the
2: date is oh man it's just really really frustrating That's how it's written there <laughs> <laughs> that's fine that's fine that's also one of our trailer reviews today as well as at eternity's gate starring willem dafoe he plays vincent van gogh we're going to answer some of your questions go over the polls So let's actually first start off with Venice, and let's actually recap what happened there. So the Venice Film Awards were uh, handed out. The Golden Line was presented. Guillermo del Toro was the president of the jury. And surprise, surprise, the award went to his buddy, Alfonso Cuaron, for Roma. What do we all make of that? Predictable.
5: Yeah, you know, from all I understand about that movie, everyone seems to love it. So if it's really the masterpiece everyone's talking it up to be, I don't see why it's a bad thing that it wins.
0: I think it's totally a good choice. I think that it sets a good standard for uh, what's going to come for Roma. And I think... Kieran is a good director who's def- whose time has come, hopefully.
2: Well, his time did come in 2013 yeah. for Gravity, so... <laughs> right, definitely. for the Best Picture. Ah, uh, right. I see, I see. You know, yeah. it feels like this is the year, because we've had so many split years lately, this feels like the year for the... <laughs> It's your due to get Best Director or it's your due to get Best Picture kind of Yeah, year for, for someone <laughs> who's already won. Right? <laughs> like for Kuala Ron, Steve McQueen, Barry Jenkins, and Damien Chazelle. They all have films that seem to be somewhat in contention. And it's like, <laughs> it's just funny how they were all part of split years.
5: You know, I'm looking at a tweet right here, and this is really interesting. Uh, someone on Twitter writes, A second straight year coming down to a Golden Lion winner. So Shape of Water and Roma mm-hmm. versus a Toronto audience winner, Three Billboards and Possibly Star is Born, mm-hmm. with the Universal Studios hit Get Out and First Man and a female-dominated indie comedy Lady Bird and the favorite playing Spoiler.
3: And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Very, a good tweet.
5: Yeah, it's that, that's what
7: we're dealing with right now.
2: Well, let me just also recap the other winners uh, from Venice really quickly. Uh, the Silver Line for Best Director went to Jacques Adard for The Sisters Brothers. Uh, Best Actress went to Olivia Colman for The Favorite. Best Actor, Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate. Best Screenplay, Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen for The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Special Jury Prize was presented to Jennifer Kent for The Nightingale. And also the award for Best Young Performer went to Bekali Nambar, I hope I'm saying that right, for The Nightingale as well. So a couple things to take away from that. One is that The reaction to The Sisters Brothers, I'm not sure if it's like the real deal in terms of across the board Oscar player, but out of most of the films that have debuted over the past week and a half or so, this is the one I think that might have surprised me the most in terms of how much audiences are really enjoying it.
5: It seems like it's a good movie, even if it's not an Oscar player. Like, it seems like it's going to be a movie that people respond to, has all this critical acclaim, maybe gets John C. Riley a Critics Award at the end of the year.
2: I think he could also be in play for the Golden Globe, too. Yeah, that's possible, especially if they put it in a
5: comedy.
3: Mm -hmm. Most of the reactions I've been seeing to it online have featured him, so this may be the play for this movie.
6: Yeah, I still have a hard time seeing this as outside of a Critics movie. I, I don't know why, but I'm very encouraged by the reviews. I am just so looking forward to seeing this movie.
5: And that was just one of two Westerns that won at uh, Venice. The best screenplay also going to The Ballad of Buster Scruggs.
2: Right, right. Which I got to say, not to say that I was left underwhelmed by some of these winners. I just thought they were maybe just a tad too, as Ryan said before, predictable.
5: Well,
7: and also I think that they – I think there was an effort to be – to spread the wealth um, with these winners. Mm -hmm. And I think everything fell – where it fell based on the reactions. Like, I mean, you know, for instance, Olivia Colman winning Best Actress. Like, you know, we're awarding the favorite for its Mm -hmm. performances, because that's one of the key things that was highlighted about the film. Giving Roma um, the golden lion. I mean, you know, because everyone has been across the board with a consensus that there is pretty much nothing wrong with that movie. I mean, it just, everything fell into place. Willem Dafoe for Best Actor. I mean, it just, everything made sense. And it was very... I mean, I don't think being predictable is a bad thing. I think these were nice winners, um, you know, even if they weren't shocking.
5: And they're mainstream choices. I mean, mainstream in the sense that these are movies that people are talking about outside of the festival.
2: Well, one film that a lot of people are talking about uh, that debuted at Venice... And also uh, premiered uh, at TIFF this week as well is uh, Paul Greengrass's film, uh, July 22nd, (laughs) as we were just referring to it as. Um, That's not a film that won an award out of Venice, but the reactions have definitely been met with a positive response. That is one of the trailers that we are going to discuss on today's episode. So let's hop right into that and let's see what Paul Greengrass has to give us.
1: we're going to do an exercise called "If I Were Prime Minister." Sure. Villar, can you start? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, um, where I come from, everyone is welcome, regardless of uh, nationality. And if I was prime minister, that's what I'd stand for.
3: Has gone off in the center of the city.
1: We will suspend activities until we get some more information, OK?
4: I'm from Oslo PD. You heard about the bomb in the city? Yes. I've been sent to
1: secure the island. Actually, can I see your ID? Yeah, sure. What was that? Run, run, Toria, run, run!
4: This now looks like a coordinated gun and bomber type.
1: ...heightened sense of security and alert. Where's Villa?
7: Something went badly wrong,
3: and we need to find out what. It's the only way we will get through this.
1: I want to make him see what he's done. I just want to beat him. Then maybe this is your chance. The person they arrested, he asked for me. Why? There are witnesses I need to cross-examine. Norway isn't on trial. You are. Are you sure about that?
6: I just don't want to be weak.
1: Not in front of him.
3: He can be weak and still strong. You know that, right?
1: I still have hope. Dreams, family, and friends. And I choose to live. It's to be okay. I you.
2: Okay, so, I mean, for anyone that's familiar with Paul Greengrass's work, Captain Phillips, United 93, this definitely looks to be something that's right up his alley. I mean, the only difference is that It's not shot by Barry Aykroyd. (laughs) He was off doing The Outlaw King. So, I mean, otherwise, this looks like it has all the hallmarks of a Paul Greengrass film.
5: The only thing it doesn't have, aside from Barry Aykroyd, is there's no big star in the movie. I mean, even things like the Bourne movies have Matt Damon and Captain Phillips and Tom Hanks, of course. This doesn't have any stars. Well, this
2: is then more going towards United 93 then, I guess.
5: That's right. I'm totally blanking, yes. Of (laughs) course, there were no big stars (laughs) in United 93. Yeah, so this looks totally thrilling and, you know, horrific. The story is absolutely horrific. But when you put it in context of what we're dealing with today, you know, all the white nationalist problems that we're having and telling a story about like national pride in a good sense, you know, this could be a really, really good movie.
2: I think the comparison I heard the most was it looks like a better version of Patriot's Day. OK, that's that's something that some that I I can't remember who wrote that, but somebody reacted to the trailer with a comment that said, yeah, it looks like a better version of Patriot's Day. Hey, and
5: we all like Patriot's <laughs> Day here for the most part. So yeah, no, that's no, absolutely,
2: you know, maybe yeah. just without some of the, uh, you know, uh, South Boston attitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: That'd be a little weird in Norway. Yeah, I'm totally
0: interested to see how this plays out, because we all see so many of these kinds of movies coming from an American perspective. But now we have to look at it from, you know, there that from their eyes. And so I'm so fascinated with how that's going to compare and if it's going to feel like an American movie or not. Yeah. I don't think it will from the trailers.
2: I think it is only because the the biggest thing that I took away from the trailer is that they're all speaking English and there's no subtitles. Yep. So I think that right there is kind of your, which is weird to me because this is a Netflix movie And as we discussed uh, earlier about Roma, that is also a Netflix film, and that's entirely uh, with subtitles. So I wonder where the decision was made and why not to just have this presented in Norwegian. I don't know. To make it more appealing.
3: Yeah, they may have the English language market in mind because it's an unfamiliar story to some people here in America and English-speaking lands around the world. And uh, maybe we just needed a little bit of coddling to get into the story.
2: Now... I'm just curious, outside of things like editing, sound editing, sound mixing, do we see this going anywhere else?
6: I think Paul Greengrass can be a contender and director. They went for him before with similar subject matter, so I think that he's still in the race for that it would have to really hit for that to happen though I, I, agree. I agree that he's yeah. a contender yeah. but
2: I, I do think the field is starting to fill out if that makes sense too like contenders yeah. are dropping and we're starting to see some of our suspicions about certain movies start to get confirmed it's actually making me more worried today about if Beale Street could talk if like you know because I feel like we're due pretty soon for something to come out and underwhelm although granted stuff like The Front Runner uh, kind of came and went so who knows
7: well, I didn't see, I don't think we should take him too seriously in director. I don't think, I think the reviews have been respectable so far and I mean, it's hitting the marks, but I don't think that there's any cause to, um, jump and throw this into our, into the top of our predictions. I mean, you know, for instance, you might, you just said the the field is filling out. So we have Bradley Cooper, we have Damien Chazelle, um, Alfonso Cuaron and, um, Yorgos and there's four already. I mean, we just need to fill that last spot. It could be Adam McKay. Um, it could be Mariel Hart. I don't know. But I don't think that Paul Spike Greengrass, Lee, he wasn't even nominated for Captain Phillips.
3: so that, That's true. But, you know, I think the four contenders that you had mentioned gave us a little bit of a surprise, something they hadn't done before. This feels like a Paul Greengrass movie. And as good as it might be, I'm, I'm not quite sure it's going to go all the way with that element of surprise that I, I suspect might be missing. And Netflix is going to be focused on Roma anyways, so...
2: Yeah, Ryan, I have a I have to agree with you that I do think that the general consensus is the four that you mentioned are probably going to go actually all the way. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them will drop out, and it will be a surprising snub because maybe they landed all the other precursors along the circuit. Think Paul Greengrass for Captain Phillips that year. You know, got Best Director nominations at every major award show, missed the Oscar nomination in the end. So... It's possible that that one of those four uh, could also go the same way and somebody else, like you said, like an Adam McKay, or who knows, like I said, maybe Barry Jenkins comes back, maybe Steve McQueen somehow gets in. I have no idea, but I do think there's some room to play with, but a combination of mm, four uh, four out of four or three of those four I think are getting into Best Director. Uh, With that said, actually, one of the fan questions that we received uh, for today's episode was people want to hear our updates on some of our predictions right now. Post some of these screenings at uh, Telluride and at TIFF. This one came from Jesse D. 44 on Twitter. Uh, he ba- uh, They basically asked us to just give our predictions of the top five right now, the, the big categories, picture, director, actor, actress. Um, we I guess we could do screenplay if we want to, but otherwise, I mean, like, w- what's everyone feeling right now at this moment? Um, what is currently right now for best picture? I love asking this question. What is the next Best Picture winner right now? Let's start off with you, Michael.
5: So, you know, I'm going to go with what I predicted last week, and that could easily change in the course of this week, but I'm sticking with First Man for now.
2: Okay, all right. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Has anything changed? Yes, actually. um, I kind
7: of went along with everybody and changed my number one to First Man. Um, I think I've been going back and forth, but I think either Roma or A Star Is Born.
2: Okay. Katie?
0: Uh... I'm really torn between either Roma, first man or a born. And right now I think Roma is edging it out just because of what's come out at Venice.
2: Okay.
6: Josh. I have switched to Roma. Uh, there's, there's elements about that movie that I am still hesitant about it winning, but there's also just seems to be so much going for it in terms of the respect and admiration for Quran and the, you know, what's it, what it has gotten out of Venice so far. And right now that's what I'm going with
3: Tom. Uh, I actually uh, agree with Josh and, and so I'm changing to Roma this week. Cause I was really, I, I thought that Venice might go in another direction since, you know, it looked like Roma was the hot one, but they, they, they went with it as well. I, uh, I cause I had the favorite last week and I'm, I'm, I think that might, Begin to be relegated to um, writing and acting.
2: Yeah, I'm starting. Here's how I'm starting to feel it all break down right now. I'm starting to feel that the favorite is going to win costumes and production design and possibly, yes, possibly writing. It's very, very possible, I think. I also think it could win one of the acting awards, either in uh, Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress, more likely Best Supporting Actress, though. It depends on where they put Olivia Coleman, who seems to definitely be the one that everyone is signaling out so far. The, uh, the other thing I'm, I'm starting to consider is with Roma, I think that that is our clear runaway frontrunner for the best foreign language film. And mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of difficulty seeing it take that along with Best Picture, which is why after the reactions out of Toronto... My suspicions uh, finally being kind of just whisked away at this point. I have come to the conclusion that nothing is going to stop A Star is Born this year. Well,
5: you say that before all the think pieces come and we're in like the third week of February and everyone just never wants to talk about it again.
2: I understand and I, and I know what you're saying, but I think that A Star is Born is going to be one third of Titanic huge in terms of money.
7: Yeah, I do too, actually yeah well and also can we just point out that this could join silence of the lambs it happened one night and um, one flew over the
5: cuckoo's nest for winning the big five Um, it's it's possible i would like to have hope that it does well i'm not trying to put down the movie in any way i've just seen this happen before with other things well i don't i
2: don't have it winning the big five but what i do have it winning right now is i do have it as of today i got to update my predictions on the site but i do have it winning picture bradley cooper for best actor best original song and i i'm I'm going back and forth between sam elliott and timothy chalamet for beautiful boy because those reactions to beautiful boy did drop and chalamet did get some very 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 high praise however the rest of the movie eh not so much not so much so that's kind of leading me to more so think chalamet gets another nom And it kind of continues to reinforce my belief that he is this generation's new Leonardo DiCaprio, where he's going to get lots of noms over the years. Everyone's going to be begging for him to get a win. And like 15 years from now, when he's like almost 40 or something, they're going to give him his first win. For a movie that's clear Oscar bait. (laughs) Yeah, Give give Timothy Chalamet an Oscar. It's time already. (laughs)
6: Let's
0: just make a movie geared to that.
7: Yeah. Hey Matt, before we move on entirely, I just want to um, take issue with what you said about Roma. Sure, I I totally see what you're saying about it—the love being in foreign foreign language film as opposed to Best Picture. But and if we were on a um, a plurality ballot, um, that would make more sense for people to say, okay, I'll go with The Star Is Born here and give it and be strategic. Um, I think Roma is going to be near the top of most people's ballots, whether you know, they, they love A Star is Born or they don't love A Star is Born. So I think that is worth noting. And it could actually be the first time, you know, something wins Best Foreign and Best Picture. I,
2: I am going to disagree with you only because, has, has anyone here seen uh, Federico Fellini's Armor Cord? Yes. And have you heard the comparisons being made from that movie to Roma?
3: Not having, yes, I've, I have heard that. I have not had not seen Roma yet, but it does have a similar kind of feeling.
2: So what I'm getting at is this. I believe that Roma is going to be the highbrow critics movie.
3: Yes, yes.
2: And Roma is not the kind of movie that you're going to sit down in front of your mother, your father, your grandmother, whoever it is over the holidays, and it's going to be that feel-good, consensus, overwhelming love and support film for Best Picture. It's going to be the more highbrow, art uh think-piece movie that, while critically acclaimed and beloved by many people, it's not that kind... I I don't see it as that kind of a film, personally. Right,
5: that's part of the thing that's holding me back, in addition to it being in Spanish. Right. So, when you have something like First Man or A Star is Born, you put anyone down in front of those movies, and, you know, they're going to walk away satisfied, most likely.
2: A couple of other things, too. Best Actress starting to get a little bit more tricky. Yeah, we got, like,
5: 11 contenders here vying for five spots.
2: Yeah, this is getting... uh, This is becoming tough. I mean... I'm very surprised at how many people are signaling out Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born. Very surprised. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be all about Cooper. But everybody really seems to be honing in on Gaga and how incredible her performance is, leading to what we were saying before, that A Star Is Born could take the big five. But you still have Glenn Close. You still have Nicole Kidman, pot- Nicole Kidman potentially. Although reactions out of TIFF seem to be the same as they were out of Telluride. The film itself doesn't seem to be catching on, but everyone is pretty much in agreement that she's great. It's kind of coming down to the same thing that happened with Timothy Chalamet, once again, with Beautiful Boy, where everyone agrees the performance is good, but because the rest of the movie around them, it doesn't seem to be working. It kind of leaves their spot in question.
5: And that's why I seem to think, unless I'm totally off the ball here, If someone's going to miss out of this 11, like a big snub, I could see it being Nicole if they don't like that movie so much. And there's so many other contenders that people are responding to.
2: It's possible. I I would say it's definitely more possible now that more people have seen the film. I'm not writing her
5: off, but I just it's tough when you only have five slots Uh, to make a quick little segue, because I know we're going to talk about our predictions. You know who I'm predicting in this category at the moment? Melissa. Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Because mm-hmm. I feel like right there you have a former nominee, huge blockbuster star. You know, people love her in her comedies, but she's also able to balance the dramatic films. And when she's getting reviews that are this good, can't you just imagine her winning the Golden Globe or something like that? Or maybe like a critic's choice. She gets up and gives a speech and people just love her at that she podium.
2: She would have to beat Lady Gaga. Exactly. Yeah.
5: yeah. You never, if they do end up putting it in like drama, like they did three billboards last year.
7: Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. But it, the re- general reactions is that it's a very, um, it's a very warm movie, or at least she, it's a warmer movie. I don't know. I just don't see it going in drama.
2: We'll see. We'll we'll see. But that, I mean, it's a good, it's a good prediction, Michael. I, and I think that she's the kind of contender that is safely, I, I safely, I say, in the five. Yeah. Well, can we just? She and Lady down. Gaga
5: are going to work the circuit. So
7: I think Lady Gaga is safe in her spot. I think Melissa McCarthy is. I think one of the actresses from The Favorite, probably either um, Coleman or Stone, and um, Nicole. I, I get what you guys are saying about the film, the film's buzz being a little more mixed, but I would still say that the that the general reviews are skewing skewing positive. And I think it's going to be fine for her to get in and get a Best Actress nomination. So I think those four are pretty safe in my mind. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. just this last spot. And we have a a bunch of different contenders who are vying for it. And, um, you know, some say Glenn Glenn Close. And I think that will change as the fall continues to evolve.
5: It's possible. I just saw the movie the other day. And she's astonishingly good in it. But the movie itself is sort of forgettable.
7: It's not well made, or well written and I just I don't know I think if she She's had at a better to film, ride better release just, date it would make all the world of a difference but it's she doesn't and she just has the bad luck of it and she
5: would have to ride her name alone
7: So
2: if we look at like the remaining contenders that are left in the field at that point we then have uh, like you were saying there Ryan uh, we have Glenn Close for the wife we have Carrie Mulligan for wildlife Tony Collette for hereditary yeah uh, y- uh, yep for Roma and a film that premiered last night to pretty glowing reviews. We could potentially see Viola Davis back in the hunt for widows. Yeah. Yep, well,
5: definitely. But you're yep. also forgetting one more match. And this also premiered last night, Julia Roberts and Ben is back.
2: Yeah. So, uh, we already touched upon beautiful boy premiering a tiff. Uh, let's talk about these other two films here. Ben is back and widows, which premiered, uh, let's start off with Ben is back actually. Uh, so, Julia Roberts making a play.
5: For a lead and not supporting.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Someone said it was the best she's been since Closer, which was 14 years ago. But we say that every time Julia Roberts gives a good performance. <laughs> it was
7: the same with August, Osage County. Come on, like, whatever.
3: But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how this all plays out with this now being the third teenage addiction film. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know will they cancel each other out or just we'll be just sick we'll see one and feel like we've done it already
2: also too I, I you know I gotta just point this out Lucas Hedges is having a year
3: yeah Sheesh.
2: a year I mean with Boyer Erased Ben is back and I guess we'll hear a little bit more about mid 90s today couple that along with the films that he has just premiered in in the last two years alone all all of which seem to be Oscar contenders. Like, who was this kid's agent? You know? How does he keep getting these (laughs) roles?
5: Well, his father's the director of the movie. There you go. Yeah,
2: right, I guess. So, I mean, but, geez louise, you have to think that somewhere along the line, voters could recognize him, potentially even in the lead actor uh, spot for maybe Boy Erased?
5: I have him at number six right now, actually, for Ben is Back over Boy Erased. Because I think when you were reading those Boy Erased reviews, people seem to agree that he's good in it, but the movie... Focuses or is more interesting when it focuses on the supporting characters,
2: yeah, yeah.
5: Mm. Whereas Ben is back, is you know, he he's Ben
2: <laughs> and he's back,
1: <laughs>
5: yeah, <laughs> Ben's back at the Oscars. <laughs> and another thing he has going for him, Lucas Hedges, was he had a great write up this week. I forget what publication it was. Uh, there's a great profile about him where he was just really open and vulnerable and talking about his career and his life and just everything for this guy who's 21 years old, he just was speaking well beyond his years.
4: Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series or other interesting film related topics and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show every Friday, you can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, J.D. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. (laughs) Yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, You can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat J.D. like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not ca- how this works, sir. Hey, no, you you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't buy it. That. That's just how
2: <laughs> it works. Before we transition over to Best Actor, I do want to uh, also talk about Widows, which premiered last night. What do you all think?
7: <laughs> no, um, I think it's, I think everything, uh, I think the reaction was as expected. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's being praised, everybody's enjoying it. Um, it's well made, the cast is great. Um, it's kind of a me too, fist pumping movie. Um, and but the general reaction I've gotten is that it's not necessarily
5: an across the board Oscar contender. And that isn't to say that it's not in play for these categories, it certainly is. And especially when you have a best picture field that seems to be quote unquote weak. But when it comes down to it, I see this as like the 9 or the 10 in Best Picture in a year of like 7 or 8. So it's like floating around there, but I don't know that it exactly lands in there. When I was reading all these reviews, the one standout to me was Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic
7: considering that, you know, this is such a female-led, <laughs> female empowerment movie. The one person who could be nominated
5: is uh, the supporting actor.
2: Nah, I also read a lot of notices for Elizabeth Debicki.
5: Yeah, she, she's good. That's just a matter of whether or not she could break into a, strong supporting actress field.
2: And you know what I'm starting to get the feeling of with this movie? I'm starting to get the feeling of a potential SAG ensemble nomination. Oh, yeah. Sure. That's oh that's yeah. Lost and loaded, I think.
5: And it's a November release, so there's no concern about that, whereas Backseat is going to be late December. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's definitely possible. I just received a tweet as we were recording from a former guest of the show, friend of the pod, uh, Jay Don Burnham, who's at Toronto. Yeah. And he responded to my prediction that this is going to be like, maybe a lone supporting actor nomination and he replied my take is zero nominations
2: oh jorge no (laughs) (laughs) damn it so it could be
7: like a maybe it's like a molly's game where it gets um like the the pga nomination and like i don't know but it doesn't translate necessarily into oscar
2: i'm gonna make a prediction right here and right now if the star is born does not win the audience award at toronto i have a feeling it could be widows
5: yeah, I think it's going to be. Can you ever forgive me? If it's not a Star is Born.
2: Well, wouldn't it be funny now if it was those three? Because they always announce the, the runner-up and the second runner-up. Imagine if it was just a combination of <laughs> two. <laughs> so we're so we're all right.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah, I I think a Star is Born is easily going to win the audience award at Toronto. That's my guess right now. But Widows, I feel, is at least in contention. Just based on, I mean, some of just some of those reactions last night really, really did blow me away. Um, And whether or not that means it's an Oscar player or not, I mean, is irrelevant. I'm just really happy that Steve McQueen continues to be on a roll and that his style is translated over to a quote-unquote genre heist film. Yeah. Uh, What was one of the reactions I read last night? I can't remember who it's from, but somebody said Steve McQueen making a Steve McQueen heist film is exactly like what we needed, whatever that is supposed to mean. (laughs) It it just seems like he has not uh, compromised his style. For the sake of trying to make it work within this genre, which is really exciting to me, because I do think he is one of the best directors working today. Mm-hmm.
3: What about yeah, him? Yeah, whether or not it's a, an Oscar player, I think it might be a Globes player too.
2: Oh, yeah, I will be. Yeah,
3: drama at the Globes,
2: right up their alley. That's what I'm I'm trying to get at, like, here with this movie is, like, uh, you know, and I'm sorry, but I've been standing for this film all season long. This and Tony Collette and Hereditary are, like, my two things that I'm championing all season long. I don't care. You can all tell me, like, it's not going to happen. But this is, like, do you guys remember Silence? (laughs) How I did not give up on Silence? Yeah. That's these two films this year for me. Hereditary and Widows. I am not giving up.
7: Cool. Don't be surprised if Widows, you know, does well at, at the Globes and at SAG, and that's, and that's it.
5: Widows is the type of movie, it seems like, that could get either anywhere between one nomination or 11 nominations, and it wouldn't surprise anyone, no matter where yeah. it lands. Yeah. Well, and Matt, to your point, though, I think it
7: is important that we're having this, you know, um, this huge, like, you know, female-led movie blockbuster that all, that predominantly features women of color, Right, Um, And I hope it makes Mm -hmm. all the money and it will be the perfect like rebook into the Trump administration and be like, hey, you know, black women rule the world.
2: I mean, not only that, too, but like, you know, I saw uh, other reactions last night that said this is exactly what Ocean's 8 should have been. I've seen uh, someone say it's the female version of heat or the female version of the of the departed. And whether or not that translates into Oscars, I do think, you know, it is a, It is kind of irrelevant when you make a statement like that, Ryan, saying how I think that the overall social uh, message of the film and its uh, importance within this year, within this race, um, that's actually that's what's most important. The fact that this film even exists, yeah, is what's important. And can
7: I just say also, um, on a side note, the uh, for a non-competing Oscar movie that got rave reviews last night, the new Halloween movie, the sequel starring Jamie Lee Curtis, surprisingly got like across-the-board consensus love, which, I mean, I, I didn't even think the trailer looked that good. And I'm, like, the probably the next Best Picture Halloween fan here. And, like, someone told me that it's even better than a Halloween H2O, which Jamie Lee Curtis starred in um, in 1998, which is probably, which is widely seen as
2: the best sequel to the series. It's said to have the most fan y moment since The Force Awakens.
7: Well, and I also I also don't like the principle of you know ignoring like ten movies and just making this like you know sequel to the original Halloween movie. I think that's I, I hate the gimmick of that. But if it's good, like everyone's saying, and they say that she gives a powerhouse performance and that it's it's great, I'm I'm excited for it. All
2: right, let's move over now into conversation about uh, best actor right now. Where we feel that is uh, currently skewing. So uh, I'm gonna just ask everyone point blank across the board. Does anyone else think that anyone other than Bradley Cooper is winning Best Actor for *Stars Star Is Born?
6: Nope. nope. It's really hard to find another contender right now. I, I wish there was some more competition, but it just really looks very shallow. You know? <laughs> Is that a pun? And I, I, uh, yeah, it wasn't meant to be a pun.
3: <laughs> said
6: it right.
2: That was very
3: good.
6: I, I'm
0: going to go out on a limb and be the only person to end here and say I think Willem Defoe has a serious chance with At Eternity's Gate. Oh my I god, Katie,
2: did you just perfectly set me up for a segue?
0: Yes, <laughs> I sure did. Not on purpose. But I watched that trailer today and was like, oh, Defoe, you know just how to get these get the eyes on you. And I think he's got a really strong chance. This is a powerhouse performance even just from the two minute trailer.
2: Well let's take a look and let's also see what everyone else thinks about that this is the trailer for Julian Schnabel's film At Eternity's Gate which premiered at Venice and won Best Actor for Willem Dafoe playing Vincent Van Gogh
1: let's take a look. Tell me why do you say you're a painter? Because I love painting I have to paint I've always been a painter that I know a born painter Yes. How do you know? Because I can't do anything else, and believe me, I've tried. I think of myself as an exile. You're Vincent? Yes, sales brother. I'm Paul Gauguin. We have to start a revolution, do you understand? We have to create a new vision, a new way of painting. I spent all my life alone in a room. I'd like to find a new light for paintings that we haven't yet seen. There's something inside me. I don't know what it is. What I see, nobody else sees. You're a stranger here. You drink too much. You're hysterical, out of control. I don't want to calm down. It's called the act of painting for a reason. (laughs) leave Leave me alone! Don't you see that this painting is unpleasant? The townspeople have signed a petition against you. They don't want you to come back. I can't stay here, Vincent. You're surrounded by stupid, wicked, ignorant people. So that's the reason why you cut off your hand. Your vision of the world is quite frightening, isn't it? Yes. Sometimes I feel so far away from everything, I think I'm losing my mind. Sometimes they say, I'm mad, but a grain of madness is the best of art. Do you believe that God gave you the gift of painting to keep you in misery? I never thought about it that way. Maybe God made me a painter for people who aren't born yet. Tell me, brother, am I a good painter? You're not a good painter, Vincent. You're a great painter. I wanted so much to share what I see. Now I just think about my relationship to eternity.
2: Okay, does anyone here agree with Katie? Is Willem Dafoe in The Hunt?
3: Yes, I agree. I think that, I think that he's going to pick up some Critics Groups awards that might be enough to at least get him into the final five.
2: Thank
0: you. It's not just me.
3: <laughs> no, I, I, so I'm, I'm backing you up. <laughs>
5: I think it might be a little too early for me to get on board that train, but I could see it depending on how he does later in the year.
2: I still have him in my 10. I don't have him in my five anymore, only because, you know, something about this trailer, something about all the clips that I've seen to it. I think it's just the way that the film is shot with the shaky handheld camera instead of like they make gimbals for a reason. Uh, you know, it's like, what, 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 where's like my smooth Emmanuel debesky like tracking shots, and, and I just can't get around that. It's very, very distracting to me every time I watch any clips from this film, and I'm worried that even when I watch the movie the same way I'm watching the trailer, I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to focus on Willem Dafoe's performance as a result.
7: And I don't know. I just, you know, I've pretty much stuck my neck out for Bradley Cooper since uh, June, July. With for a star is born, I don't think anyone's beating him, and I don't think it's going to be Will- Willem Dafoe for this. He could be nominated, but I mean, I, I just don't think so. And just an interesting thing to point out, um, you know, Glenn Close and Willem Dafoe kind of have similar narratives. The the overdue veteran, they've been nominated several times, and they've you know they they they've paid their dues. But I don't think either of them really have the steam to kind of combat these younger. You know, these younger by 20 year actors like Bradley Cooper and let's just say, you know, for arguments sake like Nicole Kidman or Melissa McCarthy, who have more steam and more buzz, even though, you know, they don't have the veteran, you know, overdue factor. Well, I guess Bradley Cooper is overdue, but not to the extent that people
0: see Willem Dafoe. I agree. But I think Dafoe, I think the Academy loves him, loves him. He's the only person who got an nom for uh, the Florida project, a movie that was widely loved, but got no love other than him. So, and his well, performance in that is good. I like it, but it's not Defoe's best.
7: Bradley Cooper actually has more Oscar nominations than Willem Defoe.
0: Oh no, I know <laughs> wow. that.
2: Yeah, that's true. yeah. Yeah. So boom, I mean, and he's going to have more Oscar, na- Oscar nominations after this year than most people.
5: <laughs> he's gonna have like nine yeah, nominations
2: definitely. after this year. Yeah, seriously. It's going to be completely ridiculous. And like two wins. Uh, with that said though, um, anyone else have any other thoughts on the on the trailer for at eternity's gate i i I was questioning early on especially when it got the closing night selection at the new york film festival that this could be a return for the best director nomination for julian schnabel after the diving bell the butterfly same thing with the cinematography but i'm i'm just completely left underwhelmed by this trailer and it looks very very heavily stylized and not in a manner that i can see being very entertaining
6: well, you know, Matt, it's interesting for me. I actually had the complete opposite reaction. I I don't know. I was really taken by the trailer. And usually I'm not into the hyper-stylized nature of, of Chernobyl's work. But I don't know. For some reason, I just got really invested in, in wanting to see it.
0: Same, Josh. Those well, eyes.
7: The <laughs> Metacritic score is 71. So, I mean, that's not terribly high high enough to compete against somebody like Bradley Cooper or even for even to compete for a lone best actor nomination, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I'm telling you, I I still believe this season is going to be Christian Bale versus Bradley Cooper. That's my prediction. With some Ryan Gosling thrown in for good measure. I don't think people are connecting to that performance. It's, uh, you know, we're getting more reactions today out of TIFF for First Man. So I'll I'll, I'll be very curious to see if there's more. But I I don't know. I've been hearing a lot more and more of it that, that performance is just a cipher and it's really really tough to crack exactly what it is that he's doing and so many people are just finding it kind of boring at times, you know.
0: Well, I think I've I'm part through reading the book and I was talking to a friend who's also read it and we kind of agreed that the thing is is Neil Armstrong, that's how he was. He was just a really average, decent guy. He wasn't you know a superstar, he was just doing his job, and he's right. a really and he lost quiet his daughter, man,
5: so. right,
0: yeah, that's true. But he's he's a very uh cipher man, so I think the gosling was limited by what he could do in that, so I think his chances are real wishy-washy depending on how good the rest of the movie is
2: you know it's really funny katie when you said average there for a second the first thing that popped in my head was chris pine saying above average and wonder woman yeah <laughs> that just also then made me realize outlaw king premiered at 10 when <laughs> the only oh, thing yeah. that premiered i i just wanted to acknowledge that it premiered because that does not look like it's going to be any kind of an oscar contender and just looks like it's going to be a fun medieval epic movie to one day just watch on your netflix streaming account i don't see it going anywhere at this point in time uh suffice to say uh chris pine yeah
5: if there were an award i think he'd be winning it if the oscars had such a category Hmm, yeah all
2: I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let it all hang out there, Michael. All right.
0: Hey, that is the reason that I, I know a lot of people are going to be watching it, because I found out and was like, oh, well, that's going to go right to the top of my Netflix queue when it premieres.
2: Yep. Somebody somebody was joking with me the other day saying how I can't wait to rewatch this on Netflix for the 0.2 seconds or whatever it is over and over and over again i'm going to pause it i'm going to leave it paused on my screen so when people walk in the house they'll be able to see it i'm going to screenshot it make it my background Wait, whoever does
5: data analytics for netflix is going to be so confused like why is everyone pausing it at this point <laughs> they'll know
0: <laughs> and then they watch the movie and they're like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> uh-huh. Me too. Me too. On
2: For the record, uh, Florence Pugh did get some uh, notices from a lot of people. And for those that have seen Lady Macbeth, I think it's pretty clear to say that she is definitely going to be a huge star and we should watch out for her in the future as far as uh, potential Oscar nominations are concerned for her. Not necessarily for this movie, but... And she's in Little Women. Right, for something like Little Women, exactly. Maybe, who knows, you know, but her future is definitely looking bright, that's for sure.
5: Hi, everyone, this is Tim Costa.
2: I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci.
6: And together, we are the First Time Watchers podcast.
4: Each week, we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame.
6: And you don't have to worry about us it, going on and on about
5: this and that and the other. And no,
1: oh, no, look, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this. Stop, stop. Shut up shut, here, up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I wonder shut who up. the cat God
4: damn it, shut I up. I think that's enough. all got it. Go by. It. It. The oh be
2: okay. Uh, before we uh, move on to any of our final thoughts about the week, I do want to just uh, check in with the polls, let you guys all know how everything was going there so last week we celebrated our two-year anniversary here at next best picture and we asked everyone which is their favorite movie sequel of all time and they could only choose from number two films so there was a big big long choice of uh, uh long list of choices I uh, we'll name them i suppose we had aliens batman returns before sunset blade runner 2049 the born supremacy captain america the winter soldier the dark knight dawn of the dead Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, The Empire Strikes Back, Evil Dead 2, The Godfather Part 2, Lethal Weapon 2, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, The Raid 2, The Road Warrior, Scream 2, Shrek 2, Spider-Man 2, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan, Superman 2, T2, Judgment Day, Toy Story 2, X2, X-Men United, and there was even a write-in option if that wasn't enough for you people. Okay. (laughs) So, with that said, Let's start off with, Michael, what is your favorite number two sequel of all time, and which film do you think won the poll? My
5: favorite is Toy Story 2, and I think the winner is Godfather 2. Ryan?
7: Um, I'm going to go with Scream 2 as my favorite, and I'm going to go with um, The Dark Knight for my prediction.
6: Josh? My vote would have been for Batman Returns, and my prediction for the winner is Empire Stark's Back.
3: Tom? Um, My favorite is uh, Godfather 2, and uh, my prediction would be the second Lord of the Rings. Yay! Katie?
0: Hard choice. I think Empire Strikes Back is of that list is probably my personal most watched, Um, and I think it stands a good chance to win as well.
2: Okay, and I think my choice would have been The Dark Knight. And I'm looking at the results right now, so I will tell you all what actually won. In fifth place, with 19 votes, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. In fourth place, with 20 votes, Before Sunset. Sure. Mm. In third place, with 35 votes, The Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Interesting. In second place, with 36 votes, The Godfather Part 2. Ooh, I think I'm right. And in first place, with 50 votes, The Dark Knight. Boom. <laughs> and uh, Josh, I, I just want to point out, there was one vote for Batman Returns, and I'm starting to think it was you. <laughs> <laughs>
7: How, How <really>? many votes <laughs> were for Scream
2: 2? <laughs> uh, there were eight votes for Scream 2. But who? And for some write-in options... I don't know how many of these are accurate because I'm looking and I'm like, these aren't number two films, but just a few that did pop out to me were 22 Jump Street was listed as a write-in, Back to the Future 2 was listed as a write-in, Hotel Transylvania 2 okay, was listed as a write-in, and there were a few films that were listed as write-ins that uh, are not number two films, like Mad Max Fury Road, for example, but you know that's fine. As is, uh, Not not bad choices there, people. Uh, Pretty good all around. But for this week's poll, we are now looking at the fall film festivals, obviously, and we did ask everyone here on the podcast before, as of today, which film do they feel is the next Best Picture winner? So we want to turn it over to you, dear listeners. What do you think is the next Best Picture winner as of today? There's still a lot of other films to premiere, and some of those are actually on the list just in case. Let me run it off for you all, though. We have Ed Astra, Black Klansman, Black Panther, Boy Erased, Can You Ever Forgive Me? The Favorite, First Man, If Beale Street Could Talk, Roma, A Star is Born, The Untitled Dick Cheney biopic, Widows, and a write-in option as well. Not going to go around the room. We already did that. I already asked you all, what do you all think is going to win uh, Best Picture this year? What I want to do now is I do want to end this episode off by answering a couple of quick questions from our dear listeners. So, First question that we have here is from A Clay 19 and he's asking, how well do you think this year's Oscar contenders are going to do at the box office?
5: Well, Star is Born is going to be like, you know, we talked about part of Titanic.
2: Mm-hmm. Huge. Huge. I, Huge. Yeah. It's going gonna, gonna to do, I think it's easily going to do over 200 million.
5: Oh, without a doubt. I can see this yep. pushing like 3, 350 if American Sniper did that well.
2: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of which, though, the, the American Sniper crowd the movie that I think is going to hurt now the most this uh, Oscar season is First Man, because you have to think that it was probably the film that was more geared towards uh, the American sniper crowd. I would imagine, and they're the ones that have turned on the film. You know, it
5: is like such yep. a small, good vocal minority. Yeah,
6: mm-hmm. and I don't it's think they're going to like
5: avoid seeing the you know avoid seeing the Neil Armstrong space movie, just because like you know Marco Rubio said something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah and that was an would no, really blatant think... lie. So yeah. It, yeah, Marco uh, Rubio no said
0: stupid
2: things.
5: So, <laughs> I yeah, I yep. can see that still being like a 150 million dollar movie.
2: Uh, so speaking of a movie that you know, it's really interesting. That this film uh, managed to still still manages to come up in conversation even though it premiered a little while ago. Uh, this question comes from Aiden Hazard at Mofo7 on Twitter. Leave no trace. Is the best reviewed film of the year still standing at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? Do you think it will be forgotten about come award season? And there was a decision made this week to put Ben Foster in Best Supporting Actor for that film. And I don't know. I'm starting to get this feeling, people, about him showing up there potentially.
3: It was a smart marketing decision, I think, uh, to push him there because it can be justified because he's out of the film for a certain amount of time. uh, And it's not his story. It's his daughter's story.
2: I agree with you. I actually agree. I, I personally wouldn't have considered it. And I do think it is category fraud to a certain degree. I'm like I'm split 50 50 on it because. For the reasons that I usually do categorize, if it's category fraud or not, uh, to your point, Tom, I ask myself, whose story is it? And is that other a character? Are they supporting that other character story? Or is it or at one point in the movie, is it really their story? You know, it, like, do we get scenes predominantly told from their point of view, for example? And while, yes, there are some scenes in Leave No Trace where it is from Ben Foster's point of view. Uh, Thomas and Mackenzie is truly the lead of that film. Like, if they were to put her in Best Supporting Actress and leave him in lead, uh, then I'd be really upset. But this seems to make a little bit more sense to me. So, anybody else uh, in a weak Best Supporting Actor field, or at least appearing weak so far, where there doesn't seem to be a real runaway contender? um, Like I said, Timothy Chalamet's film Beautiful Boy has middling reviews for the film itself. Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born seems to be picking up steam, but we need to see how A Star is Born maybe pulls him in, you know, for the win. We, 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 I don't know. It's it's tough. That seems to be like an ever-shifting category right now.
6: Yeah, there's room to play in there, but I think Leave No Trace is going to need the support of the critics groups at the end of the year to really come through to remind people that that movie came out and that it's worth remembering.
2: Yeah, okay. And then another question we have here. This one comes from David Mitchell Baker on Twitter. So thoughts on possible nominations for The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. That's another film that also premiered at TIFF. And I'm, I myself am really curious what you all thought of those reactions and if you think it could show up anywhere.
5: It seems like a really strong movie. It'll be a great commercial play and be really important to tell the story on a commercial level. I don't see it breaking through at Oscars.
6: I agree. I think it'll be a huge hit. People will love it, but I don't think it's really going to be an awards player.
3: Yeah, it, it, it has something important to say and yet is, from these reviews, entertaining. But uh, it's going to need a higher profile, and I'm not sure it's going to get it.
2: Okay, and then the last question for this week's episode is from the same person, David Mitchell Baker. And this, this is for another film that uh, made its premiere uh, over the last week. What are our thoughts on Fahrenheit eleven nine from Michael Moore in the best documentary feature race? Not a chance in hell. Oh man, no mm, pass.
5: No. And right I will no be way. seeing that movie just because it plays into the anti-Trump everything that I want to see. Even though Michael Moore is not my favorite anymore, but that that is not an Oscar documentary movie. That is a rallying the base movie.
0: Yeah, he ca- he lost his relevance quite a while ago, and. Yeah, I think this will just continue to contribute to that path. Honestly,
3: I, I, I would not be seeing it if it weren't
5: for the topic it happens to be
3: about. Yeah, and is it, he he is a better filmmaker than Dinesh D'Souza.
5: Yeah, and what's really really <laughs> funny is that as of yesterday a morning, <laughs> Death of the Nation was at zero percent of Rotten Tomatoes, and right after. This film, Fahrenheit 11.9, premiered in Toronto. It was at 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. So talk about two Americas right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Yep.
0: sighs> it's, I saw that tweet, and I was like, this is, this is how it is, too.
2: <laughs> okay, so with that said, uh, before we go for today's episode, I do want to just turn it over to you guys just one last time and ask you all if you have anything else you want to comment on right now in regards to the current state of the race.
6: We have front runners. Yeah, I think it's shaping up nicely. Yes. But still and a lot of question marks, too, which I think is really interesting.
3: And I think there may be fewer questions, uh, question marks about Olivia Coleman's uh, placement.
2: Yeah, because, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of us have had Amy Adams and Best Supporting Actress now for quite some time. And I, I think I said this last week, but if I didn't, I'll say it here. I get this feeling that if they run Olivia Coleman in Supporting Actress, I think she's going to sweep the Critics Awards, and then I just have this really, really sneaking suspicion that Amy Adams will then win the televised awards. If she runs Supporting, if Coleman runs Supporting, I don't know where they're campaigning everyone, and apparently nobody at Fox Searchlight seems to know where they're campaigning any of the favorite ladies still, so blah. <laughs> I'm,
7: I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to predict that Emma Stone is the one that ends up going lead.
2: Hmm. You know, and, and I'm going to ask this: Have you heard it all con- from anyone confirmed that it's her story told from like her perspective? I've at heard, all? I've
7: seen tweets, but I'm not. I, I don't know. I haven't spoken to anybody directly, but
1: hmm.
7: I've seen uh, the general consensus is it's her story. There's a lot of people that insist Olivia Coleman is supporting, which surprises me. But I, I don't know. I really. Um, about Emma Stone has the most um, star credentials, and she's you know she just won for La La Land. I think she could easily just be in lead and um, the other two in supporting, and then everybody gets nominated, everyone's happy, Stone doesn't win lead, it's fine.
0: I did want to say that I I was really excited that Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale got some love at yes. Venice. Like, I, am, yeah. I am so excited for that movie. The Babadook was amazing, and I think this will be even better, and I think it has a chance of getting some recognition depending on how it does going forward. Just because she's young, she's the, the star. I mean, it's a young story and something that we are not at all familiar with as Americans. So I'm really hopeful for that one, even if it ends up not going anywhere.
2: I, I completely agree with you on that. And, you know, after uh, the response that she received at Venice from that very, very disrespectful person who, you know, yelled a, a word at her that I will not say on the podcast. Ugh. I, no. I, I mm. just want to see her do extremely well with this movie. And... Speaking of which, really quick, I do want to also just make an announcement here as well and say that this week um, we were supposed to actually review The Predator on uh, this weekend's upcoming uh, podcast review here. And you want to talk about like disrespect and lack of uh, support. Um, the, the stuff that's happening right now with Olivia Munn and that film at the current time and moment and the way that she's being treated by the rest of the cast of that film, um, we, we've uh, made a decision not to review The Predator here on the podcast or on the site at all. Um, We definitely want to stand behind and support Olivia Munn through this time right now and everything that she's going through while others are not. So we will be reviewing White Boy Rick uh, this upcoming weekend for the podcast instead. And I just wanted to just put that out there as a final uh, word on what's going on in the industry right now and how we really need to stick our necks out for each other a little bit more, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely.
3: It's about time.
2: Yeah, especially for women in this industry who, I mean, you know, years and years and years of this kind of behavior and this kind of moral support that just seems to be lacking. Um, I, I think I think it's time that, you know, we all kind of just for moments like this. Let's support the Jennifer Kent's of the world and the Olivia Munn's of the world. And let's make a difference where we can. Bravo. agree.
0: Definitely. I agree.
2: With that said, Michael, where can they find you on the Internet?
5: You can find me on Twitter at MikeMovie. And since Rosh Hashanah begins tonight, I just want to take this opportunity to wish Lashana Tova to all of our Jewish listeners best wishes for a happy, healthy, and sweet New Year.
2: And Ryan C. Showers. You can find me at Ryan C. Showers. And Josh Parham. Find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And Katie Schaefer. You can
0: find me on Twitter at KT underscore Schaefer.
2: And Tom O'Brien. And you
3: can find me on Twitter at... At Thomas E. O'Brien.
2: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you everyone for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, episode 107 here. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Tune and Player FM, also on ACAST and Castbox. Be sure also to head over to our Patreon channel where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content. We just put a review up yesterday for The Social Network, which is a throwback review that we did for the last Best Picture series. So if you want to get that full review, head on over there, donate us a dollar, and you'll get that episode along with some others coming up. So stay tuned here, and we'll see you all next time.